Hey there. Welcome to Vet Club. Uh, this is going to be an edition of the week. We're going to talk about our week. It's and been a while since we've had a week. So this is like the three month anniversary of the last week. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, today's Monday, right? Yeah, today's yeah. Monday. So we're going to talk about last week. Um, some important things happened last week. It was Topher's birthday. Yeah, it was my birthday. Yeah, this is just a couple days ago now. He's very old now. He 25. turned 57. What? <laughs> I love that we both lied at about opposite. Just like, so your actual birthday, do you want to tell people? I guess you can. You don't want to? No, you can't. So he turned 37. So you said 25 and I said 57. Yeah. <laughs> um, you went an extra 10 years over mine. Yeah. And you went uh, 12 years under. So No, you went 22 years over. Oh, I did. You're right. 57. Yeah, 10 years more than me. Wait, what? You're 47. <laughs> so mean to me. Yeah, so you turned 37. Um, and then you broke the cardinal rule of turning 37. You worked all day. Yeah, to work all day on a Saturday. <laughs> on a Saturday. Yeah, it's like you, you work one Saturday every month. And this month it was your birthday. Yeah, it was lame. Yeah, so I had the a great day. so mean. Um, I got a lot done, though, while you were at work. I don't usually get anything done. On my days off, but I got a lot of stuff done. I was very productive. Mm-hmm. It was not like me. Normally, if I'm if we're both at home, I don't feel like doing anything. Um, like I I don't mind watching you do stuff. Yeah, that's fine. And then when it's just you at home, you also do nothing. But it was just me at home. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but normally. Yeah, I got a lot done. Normally though. you uh normally you clean the shower, and the bathroom sink. Yeah. And you're annoyed when I don't notice. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Well, you clean almost everything else, but those are the things I clean. Yeah. Um, I did those this weekend too. Um, among many other things. Yeah, you did a lot. Um, Good job. So that, that was that. And then we had a nice dinner and what else? You wanted it to be like a whole birthday weekend. And yeah. I was like, that's next weekend. So we're actually going out of town this next weekend for your birthday because he was working on his actual birthday. So we've got, we've got some s- stuff planned which I've learned is really hard to surprise you because we share accounts for things. So when I booked an Airbnb, <laughs> it goes to his email because it's under your account. So I was uh, really sneaky well, It's even about worse because I have the Airbnb app. So it, it notified me it, like, instantly. Alert. Oh, it made yeah. it weird. So I was like, why is my phone making this strange sound? <laughs> You're like, oh. oh Airbnb. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if it's worth it for me to get my own account for that, but probably not. You're just not going to get surprised. You were surprised at that time. You're just not surprised this coming weekend. Yeah. So it was a surprise. It just was a surprise a month in advance. Because mm-hmm. I was out of town when uh, when I yeah. did that. I don't remember where I was. Some conference. Yeah, you go out of town a lot. Anyhow, so that was this past weekend. So that was fun. Um, and then work-wise, since this is a veterinary show, <laughs> we can talk about that. I was thinking about um, cases that we've had recently. And um, we had one one case this past week that I think it'd be a good one to talk about. And I don't know that we've really talked about a lot of the stuff related to it um, on the show before. I mean, we, we may have touched on some things here and there. But if if it's duplicated, then good. Repetition yeah, is good for learning. Nobody's listened to all the episodes. Probably true. Um, if you have, good job. Um, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> We'll send you an award. Um, but we had a case. It was a four-year-old. Oh, what's the breed? I can't even remember now if it's like a spaniel mix or an Australian shepherd. I, th- I think it's like a mixed breed dog, but it looked like it was mostly like a... Little like a, dog? No, like a decent-sized dog. Um, probably like 50 pounds or so. Yeah. Um, but it came in. The owners brought it in for one episode of vomiting. 
which is not a lot of vomiting. Um, and, but like, you know, sometimes I think clients just really, there's more than they can even put their fingers on. Like, can't be like, ah, there's just something not right. So one episode of vomiting was enough. They were like, this is not okay. Um, and I think they originally called their local vet, um, but it was like a, on a Friday. I don't think they could fit him in. They're like, go to the ER. So came in to see us and the dog was stable. Vitals were stable. Um, and you know, this history is just pretty vague, just like, you know, seemed to be doing fine, but like today vomiting and just maybe a little dumpy. Um, and so the first thing that the team noted on physical exam was big lymph nodes everywhere all of the lymph nodes are big. And I don't know, Topher, do you know, have you, have I talked about this enough that if all the lymph nodes are big, what do you think of? Cancer. Yeah. What kind do you know? Lymph node cancer. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Lymphoma, lymphoma. And, um, so where are the lymph nodes on a dog? I I know in people, it's like in your throat. Yeah. So under the jaw, the submandibular, um, Mm -hmm. which is the same ones that you said in your throat, they're not really in your throat, but like in your neck region. The submandibular mean under Under, your jaw? Under the mandible. Yeah, exactly. Um, using your fancy doctor words. I know. Sorry. Trying to intimidate me. Yeah. Did it work? No. Cause I knew (laughs) that it probably meant under your jaw. Yeah. See, so it didn't. It wasn't fancy if you knew what it meant. You're hanging out with enough veterinarians that you've got it down. So you have that. You have some in your armpits. Um, so do dogs. Ooh. We call them axillary. Um, you have some. I mean, there's they're all <laughs> over the body because of the spray. Yeah, it's axe body spray. That's where the term comes from. <laughs> That's um, a good way to remember it, though. <laughs> it might be. Um, so the axilla is the armpit is the doctor term for the armpit. So in the armpit, in the groin, um, behind the knee, the popliteal. Um, those are a lot of the ones that are per- the peripheral ones that you can feel. Um, so in front of the shoulders and things like that. So we get them. So they're really in a lot of the same places that are on people, obviously. Um, you know, we're shaped a little bit differently. There's a lot internally as well. We have a lot of lymph nodes like in the abdomen and the, in the chest. They can't really feel those. Not on a physical exam. No, yeah. if you can, something's seriously wrong. <laughs> um, so the one thing, so that's the very, very first thing you need to think of. You're exactly right is lymph node cancer or lymphoma, sometimes also called lymphosarcoma. And then the second thing you should think of, any guesses? Um, cold. Good guess, but no. The second thing you should think of is lymph node cancer. And then the third thing you should think of is lymph node cancer, yeah. lymphoma. Lymphoma, lymph- like th- when you f- have all these big lymph nodes, the like top seven things are the same thing and it's lymphoma. It's most likely going to be lymphoma. Now down there at number eight and nine, there's some like infectious diseases that you can, but they're really uncommon. So in, if you'll see 500 dogs with big lymph nodes everywhere and 499 of them are going to have lymphoma and that fifth, fifth, 500th one might have something else. I have a weird aside. Yeah. So you always say it's like, oh, you're looking for zebras, like yeah. a, an animal that's not there. So you were in Africa. What do they say in Africa? Because if you said, oh, you're looking for zebras in Africa, so, it's like, there's zebras everywhere. Yeah. So I asked this, I think I've maybe even said this on the show before. But anyway, so the, the phrase is when you're here, hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras. Okay. So that's where the phrase comes from is that common things happen commonly. Like, uh, you know, med students, it's like, oh my God, you're always looking for the weird thing, that unusual thing. It's like, no, it's probably when you hear hoofbeats, think horses, but you're right. In Africa, when you hear hoofbeats, you think zebras or they will, they would say zebras. Um, and so I asked them that I was like, do you guys have this phrase? And they looked at me and they're no, they, they don't use that phrase Yeah, because it would not be meaningful. Um, so they don't have the phrase at all. They don't, they don't say like when you equivalent, like, no, like when you hear hoofbeats sing zebras, not horses, like that's not, cause they have horses I mean, there like, too. Yeah, it's like, oh, you're looking for 
Yeah. I don't know. They, would say. When I oh, asked them, they didn't have- Oh, you're looking for alligators. Yeah. Yeah. It's just crocodiles. <laughs> when you see hundreds of teeth, think crocodile, not alligator. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they didn't. When I asked them about it, they didn't say like, oh, here's the phrase we use instead. They were just like, no, that's not a phrase. Um, so, I, yeah. I mean, the sentiment is probably there, but they didn't have like a phrase that they used. Yeah. Um, where, uh, so yeah, in, in the US and in, I think they say this in human medicine as well, where it's just like, stop looking for zebras. It's not zebras. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know what made you think about that. But yes, in oh, this case, you're saying it's like, it's yeah, lymphoma it's horses, like, horses, 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 horses. And down. then you might be at a zoo and maybe there's a zebra in the background. But yeah, generally speaking, it's going to be horses. So um, lots of lymphoma. So they, why that's important, I think, is um, you still have to make the diagnosis. And, and, you know, we can chat a little bit more about how do you do that. But is when you're talking with a client and you feel all these big lymph nodes, the good idea is to warn them early, hey, I'm really worried this is going to be cancer. There's some tests that we need to do to confirm that, but like start preparing them emotionally that that's where this is going to go. Because I've had a number of situations over the years where um, people try to give the clients false hope. Um, well, they just try to give them hope. <laughs> and, and the thing is like lymphoma doesn't have to be an immediate death sentence, right? Like it's treatable. There are things we can do, but it helps if people can start immense you know, emotionally processing that their dog, you know, in this case, a four-year-old dog has been diagnosed with cancer. Um, that's, you know, that's emotionally jarring for people when they're like, but like he, he's been fine. He vomited once, you know? So, um, so that was, I think that, I think that's an important thing to learn when you see a bunch of big lymph nodes, you feel a bunch of big lymph nodes, you need to be thinking this is probably lymphoma. It isn't always again, but most of the time it is. So, um, so that's, I think, uh, a good lesson to learn. Um, and then, um, the other, and, and to be clear, the, the 499 out of 500, that's a made up statistic just to be clear. <laughs> I just made that one up if you weren't clear on that. Um, so the other thing that you want to think about in these types of cases is, okay, so I'm pretty sure it's lymphoma. Do you know how we would diagnose it? How you diagnose, do you yeah. do a, you take a biopsy? Very close. So it's like a biopsy, but we do a fine needle aspirate. So it's not like taking a chunk of tissue. It's basically yeah. just taking a small needle, poking it in the, the lymph node. And that usually releases some cells that we can look under the microscope. So yeah. it's it's quicker yeah. than a biopsy. Um, it's not technically a biopsy. A biopsy was when you take a piece of tissue, you submit it, they do little slices, put it in formalin, fix it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, blah. same thing to me. But yeah, it's but for listeners, they're not the same thing. Um, <laughs> so, um, but it's probably, basically we're taking samples of cells and looking at it at the under the microscope so we can say those types of cells yes those are cancer cells or, or not so we're going to do that um, but if we're thinking it is something like lymphoma uh, other things that you know are often going to come to mind is you know we often want to do staging of of cancer really any type of cancer and do you know what we mean when we say staging <laughs> no moving my microphone around can't bump the microphone so staging oh um, is that where you say it's like stage one like about this level yeah so stage one different cancers have different stage stages stage four yeah lymphoma has five good. stages yeah and usually the higher the number the worse it is but basically what it is is where else is it in the body so how far has it spread? So staging is, you know, has it metastasized if it's the type of cancer that metastasizes? For something like lymphoma, which is a round cell tumor, the lymphatics are everywhere. And so um, there are five stages, basically, of where is it in the body? And so stage one, um, which I'm not sure anybody in the history of the world has ever seen, but that would be where one lymph node alone is affected. And I'm pretty sure we always, like, we never see this stage. I'm not sure it ever happens. <laughs> but technically, stage one. I've never in my career seen a stage one. I don't know anyone who has. That's kind of a unicorn of cancer. So not the good kind, but 
I guess if you're going to have lymphoma, that would be the best kind to have, but I'm not sure it exists. Stage two is also pretty uncommon. Um, and that is where, for whatever reason, we just, this, why this is decided, I'm not totally sure, but where it's lymph nodes, um, multiple lymph nodes, but only on one side of the diaphragm. So meaning if it's only the lymph nodes under the jaw and in the, in the armpits, that could be stage two. Or if it's just the ones in the groin and behind the knee, that could be stage two. But if, if it's under the jaw and behind the knee, that's stage three. So if it lymph nodes on both sides of the diaphragm, stage three, if lymph nodes just on one side, that's stage two, a single lymph node would be stage one. And then stage four is when the liver and or spleen is involved. And those are like part-time lymphatic tissues. So um, they commonly get lymphoma as well. Um, and so we look for lymphoma there. And then stage five could be in other places. So um, common places for lymphoma to be in the next level is if it's in the bone marrow. Um, and so that's where doing a complete blood count. And if you see circulating lymphoblasts, lymphoblasts are immature lymphocytes, which is what we often see too many of in lymphoma, um, just like a replication of an immature cell. And, that, and that's what you're looking for. Typically, um, one of the most common things you're going to see um, on like a lymph node aspirate is to see instead of a mixed population of lots of different types of lymphocytes and some other um, uh, types of cells, but mostly lymphocytes, usually they're primarily mature um, and then some of like varying stages of maturity. But if you're seeing mostly immature, that's not appropriate. Um, that's what you see when you have lymphoma. But if you see those same cells in the bloodstream, that means the bone marrow is affected. And so now it's stage five. Or if it gets into like the brain or the eye or other weird places like that, that's a stage five. So we stage the animal. We like, we try to look where else it is. And on emergency, we're not typically doing the staging, but we'll often do something like a complete blood count because that's a fairly simple thing for us to do. And if we find cancer cells in circulation, we're like, okay, well, we just skipped ahead. It doesn't even matter. We're, it, it's, a, it's a stage five. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing we want to do is... Um, it's always a good idea to look for um, specifically calcium um, because there are some types of lymphoma that will be associated with hypercalcemia or too high of calcium. <clears throat> and that can have prognostic in indications. Like it's not good when the calcium is really high. And also if it is really high, it, that in and of itself can have adverse effects and it can make them sick. So it's usually a good idea to do some kind of chemistry. Um, and in the case we had this past week, this dog's calcium was very high which is not great. Um, and so it just adds more like, yeah, this is probably going to be lymphoma. But the other thing that happened with this dog is because most likely because the calcium was really high, it also had um, effects on the kidneys. So its kidney values were also elevated, probably from the high calcium. And those were probably the reasons the dog was vomiting and starting to feel crummy. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just a, it was a good case in that there was a lot of you know, physiological things going on to talk about. Cause then it's like, okay, well, so we know it has lymphoma. Um, and so we need to, if the owner, assuming, you know, we talked to the owners and talk about all the things, uh, we did confirm in fact that it had lymphoma, but, um, do they want to treat? Okay. So we need to treat the cancer. Um, that's going to fix a lot of the other things or that the, if we can be successful, that can fix a lot of the other things, but that takes a little bit of time. It's not like you snap your fingers and poof, the cancer's done. I mean, if only, but the consequences of this cancer, um, particularly in this case, the really high calcium has a lot of you know, bad things that can happen. And so we also want to, at the same time, we're start, you know, coming up with a plan for treating the cancer. We also need to start treating the high calcium. Um, and so that's what 
um, I find more interesting about this case because um, I'm not a cancer doctor. So yeah, um, not much you can do there. Yeah, that's Refer not that's not really my specialty, but treating hypercalcemia is because there's lots of other things that can cause hypercalcemia. Um, and the treatment um, is always what's the underlying cause of the hypercalcemia. Try to get that under control. But then also in the meantime, there are things we can do to lower that calcium. And any guesses on what those things are? It's okay if not. Um, I don't know that we've really talked about this before. How would you get rid of calcium? <laughs> you would give it a carbonated soda. So smart. And what? So why would you think that? Oh, is that right? No, it's not. Oh, okay. But I like the thought process. I think I. I think I know where your thought process is going. Make a calcium carbonate. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just so kind of like. <laughs> yeah, it's smart. Kind of like dust it out. Yeah, so you can complex it with something else and then get rid of that thing. Um, so I like the thought process. That is not actually how we do it. We do I not. I thought I was right there. For a <laughs> I know, but I I knew. I mean, obviously that's not correct. But the thought process was good. Obviously, but the, but the thought process was good. So you want to complex it with something else to get rid of it. Um, and in the body, um, one of the things that calcium complexes with. It's, most popular bestest friend in the world is phosphorus and where mo do you know where most of the calcium and phosphorus in the body is in your interstitial <laughs> that's a good guess stuff. no because isn't calcium calcium's positive right yeah calcium's two plus but no, most of your calcium is in your bones, right? Like when we talk oh, about yeah. calcium. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's okay. Calcium and phosphorus, the majority of those are in your skeleton. And so if you need, this is why people who don't get enough calcium in their diet, they can develop. I mean, there's lots of reasons why you get osteoporosis, but they're like taking a lot of calcium because otherwise you will steal it from your skeleton. Um, but if you have too much calcium, you can put it into your skeleton. You're like, hey, put some of that calcium over there. Because if you have too much calcium floating around in the blood, it can start to make Kidney calcium stones. deposits. Um, maybe. So not kidney stones per se, but you can start to get calcification of tissues and the mm -hmm. kidneys are one of the tissues. So they don't make stones in the lumen, like where the urine is, but like mm -hmm. in the tissues themselves. And then the intestines, the stomach in particular is another place can, can, that can get calcified. So basically you're putting bone in places where bone should not be. Um, and so that can be a, a big problem and, um, and often is irreversible when you put bone where it's not supposed to be. That doesn't, that's, it's not really set up to be like, Oh, we'll come and get this later. Um, that's, it doesn't work that way. And so it's really bad. And we, we need to make sure that we, we try to get the calcium levels down because the consequences can be dire and potentially permanent. So, um, and it doesn't matter what the cause of the high calcium is. And so that's why it's a thing like there are certain toxins that will cause the calcium to be high, other diseases that will cause the calcium to be really high. And so we need to have a plan on an emergency basis of how do we get the calcium down. So um, you can tell the body, hey, put that back into bone. Um, and there are a few different ways that we can do that. So you can take advantage of the normal hormone process. And so calcitonin is the hormone that your body produces um, that says, hey, send the calcium into the bones. Like, um, and it also says absorb less calcium from the gut. Um, so you could, in some situations, use calcitonin, although that's not usually one of the first things we, we use. Um, but there's a, a, another class of uh, drugs called bisphosphonates, I'm not, I guess they probably have a few phosphoruses in them, um, but it's a class of drugs that will also um, kind of reverse that process of sending and will send calcium to be deposited back in bone where it belongs. Um, so that can get used sometimes, but then we just also try to get rid of more calcium from the body. And we usually try to do that. Um, Couldn't you just drink a lot of water and dilute it out? So here's the funny thing about this. 
so this is one of those times. So you've heard me say, Dover's making a joke, that we can just flush it out, right? We give fluids and we flush it out. So the kidneys are actually a source of getting rid of calcium. And I harp on this all the time that you can't just flush toxins out of the body. But calcium is not, in this case, it's, it's, it's having like bad effects and, and arguably you can even call them toxic effects. Um, but calcium is something that your body, like we deal with this all the time. And so you have receptors in your kidney for calcium. And so we can actually manipulate the physiology of how your kidneys work to try to trick the kidneys into getting rid of more calcium. So this, the reason I want to talk about this, this is one of the few instances where you can actually give more fluids to get rid of something faster. This is one of the few instances where that is true. So forced diuresis can actually help excrete more calcium. Now we're going to talk a little bit more about that because it's, it's not the water that's doing it. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that. But like when people talk about flushing things out of the kidneys, that's not what happens. Um, and it doesn't work for most toxins because most toxins are not something that your kidneys have a specific receptor for. Like your, your, your kidneys do not have like an encyclopedia of all the potential toxins in the world and they go, Hey, we know this one. All right. Put that receptor on. Yeah, exactly. Um, Oh, Hey, you know, THC. Yeah. We have a receptor for that. Or, you know, aspirin, we have a receptor for that. You know, name a toxin, you know, or some sort of substance. Your kidneys don't have all those receptors but they do have receptors for calcium. And so we can um, use what we know about calcium homeostasis to kind of increase the excretion. And we do that by um, actually giving a lot of sodium. Um, so giving a lot of sodium and causing the body to get rid of a lot of sodium will cause the body to get rid of the extra calcium a little faster as well. So we give sodium, uh, high sodium containing fluids. Um, so really it's not, it's not, again, it's not the fluids per se, it's the sodium salt water that will cause the body to get rid of more calcium. The other thing we can do is give um, loop diuretics. So you probably remember me talking about furosemide or Lasix, Mm -hmm. which is a diuretic that we use to usually, most commonly we use it to treat patients in heart failure to get them to pee more because we're trying to get rid of the water. Um, But in getting rid of the water, we'll get rid of some calcium as well. Yeah, every time you guys talk about that, I think of the eye surgery and it makes me giggle. Oh, Lasix eye surgery? Yeah. Um, that's L A S I K the eye surgery where Lasix with an X is the drug. Yeah. The same to me. Yeah. It's fine. Just again, for the listeners, they need to know what's (laughs) different. Um, so as much as people are like, Oh, give fluids to get rid of it, give fluids. This is the one of the very, very few times where that actually can work. Um, so, but it's, again, we have receptors for calcium. So we're manipulating the physiology. Um, and we can do that, um, because the kidneys are actively excreting calcium and we're just giving it more incentive to do so. Um, that's not an option for, you know, toxins for which we don't have a specific receptor or a mechanism that the kidneys get it out. In those cases, we're just reliant on chemistry. Um, and what is the, um, the pH of the blood and the urine? What is the pKa of the substance? What is the size of the substance? What are the charge? All those kinds of things. And you can't, um, I can't change the substance. Um, there are, and there's very little of those things that I can say manipulate. Um, so people are always like, oh yeah, we'll just give a bunch of fluids and it'll flush things out. No, that doesn't work. You're not flushing anything out. They're not colanders. You're not rinsing out a dirty blood through the kidneys. That's give the kidneys some credit. I like to say give, they're, they're working. They're actually doing a job. They're not just like, whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm. Um, they're actively saying this is going to stay, this is going to go based on chemistry. 
So, um, so one of the things that we will do in the short term to get rid of um, too much calcium is we will consider medications like maybe bisphosphonates or sometimes calcitonin to put calcium back into the bone, or we will try to increase the rate of excretion um, through things like um, extra sodium in salt water, uh, furosemide or other loop diuretics. We can also do steroids. Prednisone can also increase the excretion of calcium and to a small degree. So depending on how severe the, the high calcium is, those are different things that we might do. And if it's a patient that's been diagnosed with lymphoma, prednisone is um, often one of the things we use as part of the chemotherapy protocols. So that might be a nice thing to do. But um, yeah, but we also ultimately, we got to treat the cancer. We got to try to get the cancer into remission. If we can do that, then the calcium, um, that's going to be the, the most effective way to get the calcium down and to keep it down. Because all the other things we I just talked about are temporary solutions. They're just getting rid of it. But you're not actually fixing the underlying problem. So we have to get the cancer in remission if we want the calcium to, for any length of time, to be corrected. So that was, that was one of the cases we had. Um, and again, that patient was azotemic. And um, so its kidney values were elevated. Don't know, don't know how much of that's going to be reversible. Um, I don't know. Um, so that's kind of a tough thing. So the animal was, you know, feeling, feeling reasonably good, but, um, it was, it was a, it's a tough case, but there was a lot of really good, uh, physiology and just, you know, good learning things about that case. So, and I just don't think we talked about any of that stuff before her. Not that I recall recently. Anyway. No, hardly ever talk about the cancer stuff. And then yeah. I don't think you've talked about calcium much. Yeah, I didn't think we had. So I thought this was, there were some good, good things to discuss, but, um, so that was, that was one of the kind of standout cases, at least in my mind for this week is like good learning cases. Is that the one that, what's the one that has like the tough math that you have to do? The tough math? Yeah. It's, there's one of those like I don't really. elements where, it, yeah, one of the doctors is like, oh, I, oh, she had to do like four of them or something. That might be when the calcium is low. Okay. Um, so when you're supplementing calcium. So the funny thing about calcium is there's, um, the dosing is kind of weird because uh, depending on like the formulation of the calcium, it might give you the calcium in elemental calcium, or it might give you like the total amount of calcium, which might not necessarily be all the calcium that is available biologically. And so the, that's where the dosing sometimes gets weird. Um, so when you look up doses of calcium that you're going to supplement for a patient that has low calcium, uh, it can be confusing. So that's, that might be what you were remembering a patient that had low calcium, uh, because you know, chemistry is a little confusing. So it's not that the math is necessarily hard. It's like, wait, which numbers am I supposed to use? That's probably Mm -hmm. what, what throws people off more than anything. Um, yeah, it really everything works best when the body just handles electrolytes appropriately. <laughs> when, when things does it, its it, job. it turns out the body is really smart and when we try to like replace what the body does, like we're just not very good at it. Like it's really hard because, you know, everything is kept in very like tightly controlled and like very subtle changes will send feedback mechanisms and the body just handled when, when in health, the body handles this stuff really well. It's so complicated. Like it's imagine like the most complicated, like business scenario that you can imagine. And, um, and everybody is working appropriately. Everybody's doing their job. It's a well-oiled machine. And then one person calls out sick and the whole thing falls apart. (laughs) And then like you try to get a temp to replace it, which is us, the doctors. And we are not very good temps. Like that's Mm -hmm. really just... There you go. That's medicine in a nutshell. Um, so yeah, doing some of that math can be really hard. And then you do all this math. And in this case, it's not that much math. But anytime you do a little math, you're like, oh, I did all this math. And then you do that and you're like, yeah. And then it doesn't work quite right anyway, because the body is complicated. Um, but yeah. yeah. I think you say that in your CPR class. Oh, it's like, what do we say? Yeah. That uh, 
that when you try to pump the hearts, like you are the worst. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ever. You doing CPR, you are worse. You are far worse than the worst living heart. <laughs> yeah, you will never be as good as a, as a living heart. <laughs> You're not going to be very good at it. It's true. Yeah, like we're not very good at any of these things. I mean, we're always trying like, how do we replace this? Or how do we, you know, um, and we've, we, you know, we, the, the grand we, capital W, we, we've gotten better. And I think one of the examples that's pretty good about that is like in diabetes. So your pancreas produces insulin in response to like your pancreas does a lot of stuff, but that's one of the things it does is, okay, what's your blood sugar? You just had a meal. And so all this sugar got absorbed into your system and we need to make sure that gets to the cells so they can eat. And so we release a little bit of insulin, but we don't want our blood sugar to get too low because then your brain won't be happy and blah, blah, blah. So all these other things. So your, your body in your pancreas specifically has all these signals going back and forth to keep your blood sugar in a really narrow range. And people who are diabetic, their pancreas isn't quite working. And so they don't produce either any insulin or enough insulin or it's resistant. There's all sorts of reasons for that. And so the week along, we're like, well, we can, we can, we're going to make these um, uh, yeast produce insulin. So we have these organisms that will produce insulin and we will collect that and then we will inject it. And, um, you know, most of the time you, you choose like a long acting insulin. So you get insulin a couple times a day. And like, we just not really good at keeping, you know, glucose. So you get these huge swings where normally the pancreas, a healthy pancreas will keep, you know, blood sugar between, you know, like 80 and a hundred throughout the day. You know, you eat, it spikes a little bit and you bring it back down. Whereas like a diabetic, you're going to, you know, a pretty good control in veterinary medicine is if you're swinging between, you know, the two hundreds and the low one hundreds, like it's just a much, and that's, that's good control, um, which is really crummy compared to what the pancreas does. And in people they've come up with like insulin pumps, you might be familiar mm -hmm. with that. Like some people have that. And so trying to mimic more what the pancreas does and like, so more subtle, um, you know, responses to what, happening but insulin is only one hormone in this whole like just cacophony of hormones that are trying to regulate this so you have on the other side you have things like glucagon but then also cortisol plays a role and epinephrine plays a role and all these other things have these roles in what happens to glucose in the body and we just aren't good at replicating that and again we get better and we practice and we get better but we're never going to be as good as a real pancreas like i'm confident that we're never going to be as good as a real pancreas um, but pancreases are also kind of sensitive. So, you know, don't poke mm -hmm. them in the eye. They get really mad. <laughs> they don't have eyes. But if they did, they'd get real mad if you poked them. Um, yeah. So those that's like the case that's jumping out at me this week. I can't think of um, any other things. But this week, I'm just going to, this week's pretty exciting because our new vet students are starting this week. So Yay. we did the first um, part of orientation for our, our the first year. So this is the class of 2026. Is that sure. right? That's four years from now. Is it? What's? Yeah, that sounds right. So 2026, um, which is just kind of insane. So welcome class of 2026. That's probably going to be true of like vet students all over um, the world that they're going to be starting around this time. And um, depending on like what's it, some are on like semesters and trimesters. So they might be starting a little later. But yeah, like congratulations if you're starting vet school right now. That's very exciting. Um, How many probably students do you have this year? Three. three. No, I, I think it's like 140. 120? 120? No, 120. 120. I didn't count them. I, there's mm -hmm. too many. Something you I have, should probably I have eight know. in my group. Um, so I'm facilitating one of the um, orientation groups. So we have more orientation stuff tomorrow. Um, and then some other introductory stuff for the week. And then classes start next week. So it's all very exciting. We have yeah. a bunch of um, new Are you vet teaching students. a class this semester? Uh, I don't have my own class. I have a few lectures and labs scattered throughout them. The class that I teach is ne next semester. Cool. And then so, you're taking a class this semester. I'm taking a class. That's right. My first class will be on Monday, a week from today. 
Um, this is going to be motivation and cognition. I think motivation and co- it's motivation and something. It's definitely motivation. Mm-hmm. It's about motivation. How would I, as an instructor, help motivate my students to learn things? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to learn about. Cool. Yeah. So we'll see if that works. Mm-hmm. Probably day one is like, you should start a podcast and be like, nailed it. Got it. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'll be, I'll be interested to see kind of what they think. And then you have I, a leadership class too. Oh yeah. And then on Tuesdays I'm, I'm in this leadership group. So this is on campus. So just like meeting with other, you know, leader type people. So, so yeah. Busy. Yeah. Keep them busy. Always, always. Um, so yeah, that, but that, that was the last week. And we probably won't record a week next week because we're going to be away for your birthday. Yeah. And but maybe the week after that we'll catch up with everybody. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Let's let you, Mister Busy Pants over here. We'll you were see. Very busy. Well, I, I think movies aren't coming out as much. So yeah, it's kind of the post summer slump. Yeah, once it starts to get cold, we won't be able to go outside, so we can do this more. <laughs> That's true. We have been we've been going it's outside. Although to we be only in have fifties this next week. We have like. Like just a little bit more than a month before our big um, trip, though. Yeah, we've talked about that on the show. So don't you know if you've been listening, we've got our big backpacking trip to the Grand Canyon coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll we'll probably do a sign off right before that, just in case we don't survive it. Yeah, that might be our last. We can do show. like a. We'll do a potentially farewell show. We'll yeah. put it on delayed, re- re- like we'll like delay its release. Like just in case, and then we can change it a little bit. If we survive, we'll come back and fix the. We'll be like, all right, it's been a pleasure. We love you. <laughs> That'll be our memorial Standing show. Off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I think we're going to do great. As long as your back holds out. Yeah, my back's fine for hiking, for Let's walking. See. It's just lifting things. Like a 70 pound backpack that you're going to have to carry the whole time? You carry that. You don't lift it. I mean, you just have to get it on your back at some point. We'll see. You have to take care of yourself for the next six weeks. Okay. I think that's all we have. I mean, I'm sure we could just ramble on for a bit, but that's probably enough. People are probably sick of hearing about our week now. Um, But so thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time, whenever that might be. Bye. Bye.